we're going to start a brand new series called Legacy right now. Brand new series. So I'm so glad to see all of your faces today. Um, there's a lot of uh, things that I believe God wants to do during this time and during this season. Um, I'm going to start off, though, because it is Father's Day weekend. Um, as a as a family, how many of you guys know that you go through transitions as families? My, my son recently moved out. He got married and moved out. And so now I live with uh, five females. Just me. Just me and five females. And uh, most of them are here right now. And so it's interesting. And let me just say it's an adjustment, okay? It's just an adjustment uh, for me to do that. I was downstairs the other day, and I heard all of this screaming happening upstairs. And so I'm running up to see what's going on. They're running all over the place and yelling and screaming. There's a bug that is flying around the house. There's, I mean, it, you thought the house was on fire, man. And it was like, I mean, they're running around. They hand me a rolled up newspaper and they're standing back. And all of a sudden, I mean, I'm swatting at this thing and it's dive bombing at me. I'm going all over the place. They're screaming. I mean, it's crazy. Then all of a sudden in one perfectly timed jump, splat right on the dome light in my hallway. And it just stood there. It just stayed there. This big old bug. Applause erupted. It was, it was amazing, guys. That's what it's like uh, to be a dad, okay? So happy Father's Day. That's what it's like for all of the bugs that need to be killed and all the jars that need to be opened. We just say thank you to all of our dads today. Now, how many guys are thankful? Let's give it up for the dads in the place. Amen. All right. Um, so I, speaking of that, I remember when I was a kid, and um, you guys remember when waterbeds were a big deal? How many of you guys remember that? How many of you guys actually had a waterbed? This is, this is really uh, scary. I just did not know that there were so many waterbed people. Well, I was a kid, and my dad had, had built each one of us a little room, because I have four brothers, and, and so we built an eight-by-eight eight room. It was kind of like a jail cell, but, it was, but he had this built-in thing for a bed, and we all of a sudden, we kind of got it in our heads that we wanted to have a waterbed, but we couldn't afford it as kids, but we earned just enough money, and we found somewhere that they would sell you just the waterbed bladder for a twin-size bed, and we're like, okay, let's do that, and so we, I remember, I was so excited, saving up money, so excited, just, I mean, just on this waterbed craze for some reason, and, and so all of a sudden, I got it there, we filled it up with water, and, and I laid on it the first night, and then realized that if you don't spend all the money... Basically, what you're doing is you're sleeping on a bladder of freezing cold water all night long. So night after night of that, pretty soon I got pretty disappointed in my waterbed purchase. Now, that's just a, a story from when I was a kid, but what we're going to be looking at here is how uh, Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes basically points out this very thing in so many areas of our life. And so I'm sure we could come up with stories from when we were kids or maybe even as adults now where we, we were looking forward to something. We thought it was going to be awesome. We thought it was going to fill a void. And then we got disappointed in the end. Has anybody ever been there before? I mean, come on, it doesn't have to be over something stupid like a waterbed. We can do that over major things in our life that we thought was gonna be it. If I can only get to this point, then it will be, uh, I'll be fulfilled. And Solomon basically talks about this throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. That's where we're gonna be. Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse two. 
And it sounds really encouraging, right? He's like, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. How'd you like to hang out with him for a while, like when he's in this mood, right? And he's like, what, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes to the north. Around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there's nothing new under the sun. And he goes on and on and on like this. And I think the whole point that he's making in all of this is very simple. What's the point he's saying? No matter what you try to accomplish in all these things, you're trying to fill a void in your life that you think is going to fill the void, that you think is going to do it for you. In the end, you find out pretty much it's meaningless. Pretty, pretty much you find that there's a lot of disappointment when you put your hope into things or into achievements or into accomplishments or into the next thing that's going to make you happy, the next relationship, the next purchase, the next achievement. That in the end, you find out that it just leaves you empty. And, and so many of us, we think, man, I mean, I mean, we're pumped into by the world that tells us if you can just, if you become a millionaire, you retire early in your 40s or 50s or whatever, and you just got it made, you know? And I thought about this a long time, or not too long ago, um, and with uh, Jeff Bezos or Bezos or Bozo, whatever his name is, who owns Amazon, and, uh, and I thought, here it is, the richest guy in the world well over $100 billion, I mean, it, even, even after he got a divorce and gave a bunch to his wife. <laughs> he's he's wet, the richest man maybe in all of history. And you would think if anybody is going to say, okay, I have enough stuff to just go and do what I want to do and not worry about working, not worry about a job, you think it'd be this guy, right? And yet, I read an article where he gets up and here's his routine and here's the meetings he has. He still goes to work. He still has a job. To me, I don't know about you guys, but that just blows my mind. It just rocks my paradigm because everybody seems to be chasing after this idea that if I could finally achieve what I want to achieve, I wouldn't work again. I'd say, take this job and shove it, and I'd be done with life, right? I'd just go on an island by myself somewhere, and I would, I would just make the case, you would not. You would not. Why? Because, no, number one, because God created us and designed us for a purpose, God didn't just design us just to sit somewhere and rot away or to sit somewhere and stare at something for the rest of our life. God designed us for a purpose. And number two, stuff never satisfies. So no matter how much you get of the stuff, it's never going to satisfy. And that's what Solomon is trying to make this point. And so in this series, we're going to be talking about leaving a legacy. And I want to define what legacy is just from Webster's Dictionary. And it says this, number one, it says a gift by will, especially of money or other personal property. Number two, something transmitted or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. So the key thought in this series is this. You can't take it with you, but you can leave something behind. You can't take it with you, but you can leave something behind. We're going to define what that might look like. And I'm not talking about houses or money or stuff. I'm talking to really, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. I'm talking about a spiritual legacy. 
That's the most important thing. And we see a little hint of this, and we'll look at this sooner, but, or a little bit later, but it's in Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse one, we see a hint of all of this. It says, the words of the preacher, that's what he calls himself, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Now we know who David is, King David. So we see this line, this legacy that's being passed down. We'll see about that here in just a little bit. You have to understand about the book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon is writing this basically some people would just say from a backslidden state or really from a cynical place. That's where he was writing. So you have to put a layer of that in context in all of this. He had all this wisdom, the wisest man in all the earth, but he's trying to figure out what to do with the wisdom now that he has it. He's trying to figure out if he wants to use it in a wise, you know, you can have wisdom and not use it well even, you know? I mean, you can have knowledge and not have wisdom. And so, uh, this idea of being a gift, a legacy as a gift. There are so many people in my life that I can think over the the years of my life who have deposited a gift inside of me. And it might be at just the right time. It might be through words. It might be through actions. How many of you guys have ever had somebody gift you something before? I'm not talking about possessions, but they leave. And my hope is during this series, I'll have some of them share some of those things with you. And so since this is Father's Day weekend, I spent some time talking with my dad about this subject. So let's watch. All right, I'm here with my dad. For those of you guys who don't know, this is my dad. And we are in the big town of Cameron, Missouri, where he pastors a church. And I wanted to bring him in because we're talking about Solomon. And we're talking about all the things that he went through, how he tried everything to try to satisfy. And I was just reminded of you, dad, and how basically before you got saved, you tried all this stuff. You tried the drugs, the alcohol, and all that type of stuff to try to fill the void in your life. So tell us about that. Well, I know that's a big thing. Yeah, well, you know, of course, I, I I lived up a small town over here, and there was just nothing to do, and so you started drinking early, and, and from there it went to, uh, I wasn't a good athlete, so I just, I became good at drinking and then drugging and, you know, and all that stuff, you know, you became a family and the people that you, you know, the whole thing just went, the culture was bad, and, and uh, you know, praise the Lord, God turned it around and brought me to Him. But after all of that, you still felt empty at the end. Oh, yeah, I felt, I felt totally Worthless. I felt like I had no purpose in life at all. You know, that's one of the biggest things God helped me with. You know? So then you go from like trying everything and ended up, I mean, homeless, drug addict, alcoholic, and then you meet Jesus. And all of a sudden you go from all of that to now you have five boys, all of us love and serve Jesus, 19 grandchildren, every single one of them love and serve Jesus. That's like unheard of. And so how do you go from all of that to passing down a legacy where every single one of the family is in Christ. Yeah. Well, the, the Bible talks about that sin can pass down three, third and fourth generation. Righteousness can pass down to a thousand. You know, and when I, when I got right with the Lord, you know, all that stuff that was in my past, the Lord just helped me to get, right, get together with the right kind of people that taught me how to break all those whole strongholds in my life, cancel all that effect that didn't pass down to my kids. And so it's just like, you know, you boys was raised up in a, with parents that had nothing to do with that type of lifestyle at all. All that was broken. Mm-hmm. Jesus set all that free. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And so it didn't pass on down. Mm -hmm. And so now here we are, not just the lives that you, that you went from that to impacting all of our lives and then all of your grandchildren. And then now the legacy continues to every single person that every one of us will touch, which is all of you who are currently uh, viewing this right now. And many over the next several years of our life, you'll be touched by so many, uh, so much of the impact and the legacy of one man who said yes to Jesus. And that's really what it's all about. That's what it's about to leave a legacy. So happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you. That's quite a legacy, right? I'm blessed that I've got my father-in-law, Richard, and Jenny right here, and mother-in-law, and the same thing is on that side of my family, that every single one in that family, even down to every, grand, every one of the grandchildren, all love and serve Jesus. Isn't that the kind of legacy we want to have, right? I mean, isn't that what we want to pass down? Now, obviously, you know, you've got free will in there. You've got all those things. And, and, and so I'm, I'm not trying to bring condemnation if that's not your story. But I'm saying that the most joy that we can have is when we pass down a spiritual legacy to our kids from generation to generation to generation. And your legacy impact depends really on where your dreams are located. I just, that's the way I felt like God told me to put it. Your legacy impact, it depends on where your dreams are located. And that's where we see that example of David and Solomon. And we find that in the example of David and Solomon. Because David, when he was alive, he wanted to really, he really had it on his heart to build God's house. He wanted to build a temple for God. He really wanted to do this. This was like something that was his dream. I mean, he wanted to do that. And God came to him one day. He's like, I know you really want to build me a house I'm going to build your house instead, but you're not going to be able to build my house. That's for a different generation. And so David had a moment there where he had to decide, was he going to be disappointed that his dream wasn't met? Or was he going to allow God to relocate and shift his dream somewhere else? And listen, this can happen to us. It doesn't have to happen through the generations. It can happen in any area of our life. So many of us, we have a dream that we have in our hearts. And God comes to us and he's like, I don't know that that's the plan that I have for you. And so many times what, what happens is we get disappointed and angry with God because he didn't meet our dream instead of allowing God to relocate and shift our dream to his agenda. And so your, your legacy, the impact of it really depends on where your dreams are located. So we see what David did. He didn't get disappointed. He went to work. And what he did was this in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 1. It says, Then David said, Here shall be the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel. David commanded to gather together all the, resi the resident aliens who were in the land of Israel, and he set stone cutters to prepare dressed stones for the building of the house of God. David also provided great quantities of iron for nails, for the doors of the gates and the clamps and all this stuff, as well as the bronze in quantities beyond weighing and cedar timbers without number. He went on and on. Skip down to the very end. It says, so David provided materials in great quantity before his death. What was he doing? He's, he shifted his dreams and he said, you know what? My dreams are now for the next generation. My dreams are now situated where God wants me to place my heart. And so he prepared for a temple that he would never see. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to prepare for something we will never see? You know, you hear that saying, you know, we need to plant trees in whose shade we'll never sit in. 
See, that's when you allow God to relocate your dream. That's when you have a legacy, a spiritual legacy. So he made blueprints. He gathered enormous materials. He spent time making great preparations for this temple that he would never see. That's called seeing through the eyes of faith. I heard this story a long time ago. I don't know if it's true. It really doesn't matter if it's true because the point is still valid either way. But right just before they were going to open or they were opening up Walt Disney World, and uh, Walt Disney had already passed away, I guess. And so they were getting ready to open it all up. And somebody came and they interviewed um, Mrs., his wife, Mrs. Disney. And they said, man, let me just say exactly what he said. She was introduced by a man who said, Mrs. Disney, I just wish Walt could have seen this. And according to the legend, she just said, he did. And sat back down. Because he saw it in his heart even without having to see it with his eyes. That's legacy thinking. Legacy thinking are people who are, will seek the good of whole cities. They will seek the good of next generations. They will seek the good of people they may never see or encounter or generations they ne may never lay their eyes upon because their dreams are relocated. I just believe that there are times in our life, significant strategic times, when we have to allow God to relocate our dreams to his dreams. And I was reminded of that story that I, I've shared before. Um, there's this, this pastor that several people know about, and his name is Tommy Barnett. And he pastors this large church in Phoenix. And he's kind of a legendary pastor. I mean, a lot of people know about him. He's written lots of books and all this stuff. And there was this church. So he's in Phoenix, but there was this church in L.A. that was... I mean, it had dwindled down to 39 people, and they wanted to save this church. And so, because it was really part of a historical revival years and years before, and they just didn't want to see it go away. And so somebody had this idea, let's get Tommy Barnett to come in with his son who wants to pastor, but his son is just 20 years old. He doesn't know what he's doing. So let's get him to come in. Tommy Barnett can bring his son in, and they can put him as the pastor, and then Tommy Barnett can fly in every single week and help coach him to bring this church back to life. And so that's what they did. And, and Matthew Barnett, the son, he went in there. He was blonde-haired, blue eyes, 20 years old, didn't know anything about anything. He put into a culture where... The church where he was pastoring, the 39 people, most of them were Filipino and didn't even speak his language. <laughs> and so he was put in there, and, and he had in his heart this dream. And he kept saying, God, all of his life, he just wanted to build a great church for God. Like that, he saw his dad do it, and so he wanted to build a great church for God so that God would get the glory. And he kept saying, I want to build a great church for God. And he goes into this place, 39 people, I want to build a great church for God. And he kept working away and working away, and he grew that church from 39 people down to zero. Like literally, no one would show up to many of the services. Can you imagine? He said, I... I so, so he, he got, went home one night after another dismal service and he went into his bedroom and went into his house and he, just, he was just crying out before God and he's like, God, I feel like a failure. I wanna build this great church for you. I feel like a failure. I feel like I failed my, my dad. I feel like I failed this church. I feel like I failed myself and most importantly, I feel like I failed you, God. And he sat there and he, he cried out in, the, in that moment and he said he felt the presence of God come in such a strong and powerful way. And he knew it was the presence of God because God told him to go to Echo Park. And Echo Park at one time was a beautiful place, but now it was all torn down. It was all ran over. And there. So, 
it, it was a dangerous place to go, but he felt the presence of God so strong that he decided he was going to go ahead and go. And so he went out to Echo Park. Remember, he does not belong. He's a fish out of water. He does not belong in this place. And he goes out at night, and there are police cars over here, and there's drug deals over here, and there's prostitutes over here, and there's gangs over here, all happening as he's in this park. And God brought him there, and he said, you want to build me a great church? He said, all I want you to do is love these people. And so in that moment, Matthew Barnett, he laid down his dream to build a great church. And he said, okay, what did he do? He allowed God to relocate his dream. And from that moment on, he decided that he was going to just simply love those people. Not worry about building a great church, but just love those people. And he even moved his desk out onto the sidewalk of the church just because there were so many people that had passed by. And he would just sit there and ask them what he could do to help them. Now, today, there are thousands upon thousands of people that are a part of that church. They've rescued so many homeless people and prostitutes and, and people who were in gangs have now been set free and now have been uh, turned their heart to Jesus. Why? Because he allowed him to relocate his dreams. Tommy Barnett, the dad, said this, Our worst enemy is not the devil, but our comfort zone. <laughs> See, sometimes it's out of our comfort zone to allow God to allow our dreams to line up with God's. This week I saw this video, and uh, it's kind of like one of those that I think is kind of like a Hallmark commercial cheesy type video, you know, or whatever, I don't, I don't know. But there's a point that they make at the very end that I think is so powerful, so watch. Today I'm gonna teach you how to tie a tie. get the internal temperature to 160 degrees. Yes! Awesome! <laughs> Guess what? Your turn. Wait. Make sure you keep the arrow straight. How do you keep the arrow straight? Oh, we'll, we'll keep you back. out of fight. <laughs> For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The most important legacy you will leave is a spiritual legacy. It's the most important legacy that you'll leave. Just like my dad gave to me, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to give. To, to our kids, to our family, to anybody around us, wherever we can give a gift. And I want you to hear me today. Today's message is not a message of condemnation, like you're not doing enough, so you need to do more. Let me tell you what this message is. This message is an invitation to dream again. This message, no matter where you're at at this moment, is an invitation to begin to dream God's dreams and how you can be a part of that for the people that he's placed in your life. 
How can you begin to, to be someone who starts to empower other people's dreams through a spiritual legacy that you make deposits in? So I, I'm going to share, as we wrap this up, I'm going to give you something very practical that I've shared before. I'll lay it out again. But I really believe that God specifically wanted me to share this today in this way. And I've never done it before, but in, in this particular way, this application. And here it is. A lot of times I will journal or write things in my Bible, read scriptures. And one of the methods that I've shared with you guys, and maybe you guys are familiar with, is something called the SOAP method. How many of you guys have ever heard this before? All right, a few people. Here's what the SOAP method is. As you're reading along in your Bible, maybe it's a a daily Bible reading plan, or maybe you just read and meditate on a certain scripture. And so what, what I'll do is I'll go and I'll just pick out one scripture and I'll write the scripture out. So I've got kind of a journal that I'll do that, and I'll write out the scripture. I'll hand write out the scripture, whatever God leads me to write out the scripture. And then I'll put a little O down uh, there, and I'll put a dash, because this is the part where I'm making observations about what the scripture says. So, okay, what, what's happening in this scripture? What, what's the context of the scripture? What's, what's actually the point of this scripture? And so as best I can with the Holy Spirit, as I read my Bible, I maybe even do a little study on it or whatever, just kind of look in context and I'll write out just a few sentences of what I've observed in the scripture. And then I'll put an A down and write the application. So now that I have this scripture and I've observed what's happening in this scripture, what's the application? Holy Spirit, what are you wanting me to do as a result of me hearing this, because I don't want to just be a hearer of the word, I want to be a doer of the word. And so I'll write down a few sentences of how I can apply what I've just read. And then I'll write down a prayer. And I'll just write it down. I know it might be a little bit awkward, but if you've never done this before, but I'll just write out a prayer, a few sentences of a prayer to God. And that can be something that you practice daily. A lot of people do that, and I even give them titles. In fact, I've got many sermons by doing this because I'll just be reading along, and all of a sudden God will reveal something to me and how to apply it to my life. So let me give you just a couple of examples. I just randomly picked a couple of examples of what I've done with this, and so you can see it in action, and just you can do it however you want to do it, but here's how I've done it. Here's how it's played out in the past. Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. So we'll start off at the very beginning of the book of the Bible. It says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant in the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. You're like, well, what do you do with that, right? But yet this one, as I was reading along, God highlighted this one. It stuck out, and I just began to meditate or think upon this scripture. And so I went and I wrote down this scripture, and I knew this is what God had for me that particular day. And I went to the observation section. As I meditated and thought about this, this is what I wrote down. Which came first, the plant or the seed? This makes clear that when God created everything, he created it in seed form first. Later it says God planted a garden. And as I began to just observe what was happening in that scripture, I was like, I've really never thought about that before. But it seems here like God, when he created these plants, He didn't create the plant. He created the seed and he planted it. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Later on, he planted a garden. So how does this apply to me? What's the application? So this is what I went through. God is a seed God. Everything starts with a seed. Don't despise small things. Don't discount the power of a seed. Sowing a seed is a faith act. Sowing a seed is a God-like growth expectation. I began to meditate on that, like, wow. Then I wrote a prayer, and I said, God, 
give me seeds to sow. Give me financial seeds, relational seeds, creative ways that I, can current, I, I can't currently see. Let me sow freely and generously, knowing that you bring a harvest and trusting this as your way. And that's what I wrote down that day. Let me give you another example. I'll go clear to the end. Go to Revelation. All right, Revelation chapter three, verse one. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who is the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. So I begin to meditate on this and just kind of from what I know about scripture, I wrote down an observation. Uh, my observation was this. Many people believe that the angel in the churches is actually the pastor of that church. Now it got real personal, right? So, uh, so God is writing this to a pastor of a local church. So then my application comes. And here's my application. Reputation doesn't matter. I believe a lot of people would say this about me or about our church, that we are full of life, that we're on fire, that we're full of the Holy Spirit. But if it's not real, eventually that catches up and gets exposed. So I will keep pressing in, not coast. I will hunger for more of God and revival. And then I wrote out a prayer. God, I, wanted, I, want more the, I do want more of you. I want the new wine. I prepare my wineskin for it. I eject the old from the last season, even if it was good. Today's a brand new day. This is a brand new year. Here's a brand new me. And so I wrote those things down. So I'm just sharing that to give you an example, and God's gonna lead you to do whatever if you choose to do this. Now, here's why I share all of that. I wanted to share the way that that goes on, and here's what God spoke to me as a way that we can just get our feet into the water and practice leaving a spiritual legacy for other people. And I've never done this before, and I haven't done it yet because I wanna save it to do it along with you. And here's what God shared with me. Do this this next week, and instead of doing it for yourself, ask God to give you a particular name in mind as you read. God may give you your spouse's name, and as you're reading along, all of a sudden, you say, God, what, what do you have for them? He might give you your children. Maybe he, he you know, has you do this for your kid, like a, a particular child, all week long, and you store them up, and God begins to give you spiritual deposits to deposit in someone else, and you can give that to them and gift that to them and say, here's what God was showing me to encourage you with as I was reading scripture this week. And God may, may lay somebody on your heart. He may lay a particular person. He may lay one of your kids on your heart every single day. And here's my challenge to you. This is just a small little thing that we could do but I believe that God wants us to start taking steps to relocate our dreams, not just in ourselves, because we're gonna find it becomes empty after a while. And so as we wrap up today, what I wanna do is I just want us to pray and ask God who we're supposed to invest in this week, maybe in that way or maybe in another way. So I wanna have the worship team come back up and, and I'm gonna ask all of us to stand up. And let's just open up our hearts right now as we close our eyes Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to speak. Maybe you already know who you're supposed to invest in or who you're supposed to deposit gifts in. Maybe it's just a gift of encouragement. Maybe you've withheld that. Maybe the Holy Spirit has come to you and he's nudged you in certain ways. Again, this is not condemnation if you haven't followed through on that. This is an invitation for you to start dreaming today. What kind of legacy could you leave 
in someone else's life. So God, we just ask right now that you would reveal if, if this is for us, it may not be for everybody, but this is for you, that you would just come right now and reveal a name, reveal names, reveal ideas, reveal ways. Yes, Lord, even bring repentance in our heart if there are areas that we need to change. And Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. For the, Father, for the gift that you gave of Jesus, that you gave to us. We thank you that you lived a perfect, sinless life and you died on the cross for our sins and you took our place and you rose from the dead and you give us a legacy of eternal life. And we thank you for that and we worship you for that. Lord, help us to be like you and to be givers to other people. To leave a spiritual legacy and gifts deposited in other people. Lord, I pray even that we'd be led even this week at, to the right people at the right time the right words. Let love overflow out of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship one more time.